welcome to Faith Point, the podcast ministry of First Southern Baptist Church of Prescott Valley with Senior Pastor Carol Eldreth. Our goal is to allow our faith to intersect with real life. So let's join Pastor Carol today as he shares with us from God's Word. As you take out your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if it's not already marked there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and today uh, is, a, is a neat day for Barb and myself, uh, our son Timothy, uh, who lives in, in Pennsylvania with his two sons, Caden and Hunter, have been here this weekend with us, and so if you've not got to meet Tim yet, I hope that you do before you leave today. And, um, and for those of you who are there on this last Thursday night in Bible study, if, you, if you're paying attention to the pictures uh, in the video uh, thanking our veterans, you saw a man hanging or climbing a, a ladder, uh, either up or down, uh, hanging below a helicopter. And I told them that this, this weekend, the reason Tim's here is because Barbara had given me the uh, two... Uh, tickets to ride the the helicopter, one of the helicopters up at the Grand Canyon, and so as, as for me and Tim to do that together, and just kind of waited around for him to do that. So, so it was getting close to another birthday. So I'm glad he finally made it out here. Uh, so yesterday we did that, and that was a great time. But I told them that I was anxious to do that because I'd never actually been inside of a helicopter that was moving, just hanging underneath of one that was moving. And nobody believed me, hardly. I think the only one did probably was Rick, because if you're in the Navy and you're a chaplain, they have holy helos. And that's how you get back and forth between ships that don't have chaplains. And so I did, you know, only they didn't give us a ladder like that. They just, they just gave us a rope and said, hang on, you know, put it in your teeth or something. No, there's had a harness, but it was just one rope. And, and so even my wife didn't think that was true. But, but my son remembered, Tim remembered hearing that. So, so see, it does happen. If you think I was lying to you on Thursday night, I wasn't, okay? And we're going to talk about lying, and that wasn't a lie. That was the truth. I did do that. Okay, so let's bow in prayer as we come to God's word. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that it gives us. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the giver of life. We pray that he would be glorified now as we open your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change us from the inside out through your Holy Spirit. So, Father, speak to us very clearly from your word today as we finish up this chapter in 1 Corinthians. For we pray these things in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Um, there's a there's an iconic movie scene that that many of you, most of you probably will be aware of. Uh, it's from the film Titanic, and you remember what's happening there. Um, we have we have in the scene Jack uh, Dawson, who is is really Leonardo DiCaprio, the actor, and he's standing right out at the brow sprit of of this of this giant tank, uh, this giant. Uh, um, luxury liner happens to be what? Yeah, it's the one that's going to go down. But what's he saying? He's saying, I'm the king of the world. And who's he saying that to? He's saying that to the wind and to the waves. 
Because in reality, he's not the king of anything. Fact is, he was a grifter and a drifter. Didn't have two nickels probably to rub together, and somehow he got himself onto the Queen Mary. Uh, not the Queen Mary, the Titanic, wrong one. <laughs> Queen Mary's over in Long Beach. Used to see it every day when, for, for a couple of months when I went to work. But he was there in, um, he, was, he, was, he was there on that ship and somehow finagled his way into a very exclusive ballroom for a dinner. And turns out it was all for naught. Because, spoiler alert, he didn't survive. But it's that saying, I am the king of the world, that tends to get us into some trouble. It's a, it's a, it's a statement that, that, um, that a lot of us make, only we don't make it quite that way. You know what we tend to say? Instead of, I am the king of the world, we say, I'm a little too impressed with myself. We have a lot of those, those, I'm pretty impressed with myself moments in life, don't we? And maybe nobody else notices, like nobody else really noticed him up on the bow of that boat. But we think, you know, today I think I'm a little bit impressed with who I am today. I'm impressed with with what's going on in my life. And, And so Paul comes along in 1 Corinthians and he says, we need to talk about that. We need to spend a little bit of time dealing with that. And so far, that's what 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, and 3 have been about. And he's not quite through yet because we're, we're going to finish up chapter 3 here in a few minutes. And so he's still talking about that. You remember that those who were in the church at Corinth were just a little bit too impressed with themselves. And why were they impressed with themselves? They were impressed with themselves, some of them because they followed Paul, some of them because they followed Cephas, some of them because they followed Apollos, and some of them said, oh, I just followed Jesus. And they were impressed with who they followed, and they thought that made them important. That made them kind of the king of their little world because they had somebody important that they were following. But none of them wanted to follow all of them. Nobody would say, I, I listen to these men. They just said, I listen to this one. And if you don't listen to this one, then you're not very important. And because of that, division had broken out in the church, remember? They were, they were mad at each other. They didn't get along together because you say Paul's only right, and you say Cephas is only right, and you say it is, that it's really somebody else who's always right. And don't tell me what's right and wrong. I already have decided what's right. And when I'm listening to the one that I like, then I'm impressed with who I am. And I'm not impressed with you. And so we have these... I'm impressed with who I am moments. And at the same time, we look at people around us and we're saying, I'm not really impressed. I'm not really impressed with you moment because of who you're looking at and who you're following. And because of that, there's this, there's this vision in the church. And, and Paul says, that's not good. And so he begins telling these, these Corinthian Christians, he says, you know, I really wanted to talk to you as one who is mature, but I can't because you should be eating solid food and you're still eating milk. You're still eating baby food. You're nursing. 
you're not ready to grow. You think you're, you're smart, you think you're intelligent, and you're not. Instead, you're following after the wisdom of the world, remember. And so we had Paul talking about this, this dichotomy between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom. And the people at, at the church at, at, at Corinth was following the world's wisdom. And we do that a lot too, don't we? And so Paul spends time in chapter 1 dealing with that. He said, you're following the world's wisdom. And then he says, because of that, you are sabotaging your own spiritual growth. You are staying permanently as an infant or as a young child in the Lord, and you're missing out of the blessings of spiritual maturity. And he said, I want you to have that. So he said, you have to make sure that you get rid of that. You need, to, you need to focus in order to do that on the foundation of your life. And your foundation of your life cannot be the world's wisdom. The foundation of your life, remember in chapter 2, he says, uh, it has to be Jesus Christ. Everything you do has to be founded upon who Jesus Christ is, or you're not going to grow. And... And then he is saying that we also have to treat that relationship that we have in the body of Christ as the temple of the body of Christ. He said, because that's who you are. That's who we are together as Christians. That's who we are as First Southern Baptist Church. Remember last week, we are the temple of God. And so if we're looking down our noses at other members of First Southern, we are we are desecrating the temple. We are not holding it sacred. And so he said, in order to grow, you've got to get those things right. You can't sabotage yourself. You have to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And you have to count that as sacred. But he's not quite through yet. And in these last few verses, verses 18 to the end of the chapter, he is going to take us back to the conversation that started in chapter 1. Back to the conversation that says there is a distinction between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And you have to choose rightly. And so you can follow along with me if you want. We're starting in verse 18 of of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is what we read. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he he catches uh, the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. Thoughts, um, so then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or the life or death or this present age or the future. All things are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. And so he said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to grow. I want you to, I want you to grow in abundance of wisdom. I want you to, to grow in abundance of God's wisdom. And he said, when you do that, then you're going to be on the right track. You're going to be growing spiritually where God wants you to be. And so this morning, we're just going to look at three things you need to do in order to position yourself to grow abundantly in God's wisdom. How do I grow 
abundantly in the wisdom of God. It begins, first of all, you have to start by telling yourself the truth about everything. Now, tell yourself the truth about everything. There's a short story that I think of when I, when I go through this passage of Scripture, when I think of this passage of Scripture. It's about a guy who had a car for sale. And we've all done that, right? We've all sold cars probably at some point or another or traded them in. And this guy wanted to sell a 2003 Pontiac Grand Am. So that makes it a 20-year-old car. But he wanted to sell that. And by the way, Barb drove a Pontiac Grand Am for a lot of years, didn't he? And so we kind of know that car, but not that, that particular year. But um, he wanted to sell it. And, and so he, he put an ad in the, the one pages the, uh, in the newspaper. And, uh, and, 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 and so when he did that, he waited a couple of days and didn't get one call. Nobody called to buy the car or even ask about the car. And he was really frustrated by that because he needed to sell it. And so he called a friend of his who was in the used car business, and he said, could you help me a little bit? He said, I'm trying to sell my Grand Am, and nobody's even talking to me. They're not answering my, my ad in the newspaper. So his friend said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll look at it for you. And he said, tell me, what did you say in the newspaper? And I, he said, Pontiac for sale, good condition, clean, 378,000 miles, and told the price. His friend, used car guy, said, yeah, I think I know what the problem is here. Nobody wants to buy a car that has 378,000 miles on it. The guy said, but that's what it is. And that's what I need to sell. So his friend said, well, let me tell you what I think you should do. You need to turn the odometer back some. And I think it'll sell. And so three or four days later, his friend called the, the car guy, called back and said, say, how did it go? And he said, you know, I took your advice, then I decided I don't want to sell it. He said, what do you mean you don't want to sell it? He said, why would I sell a 20-year-old car that only has 40,000 miles on it? <laughs> Makes sense, I guess, on some level, doesn't it? I'm not advocating that you try that, by the way. But when we turn to back here to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18... Paul starts out with these words. Do not deceive yourselves. I'm going to underline that if you want to. Do not deceive yourselves. And we'll just stop right there for a few minutes. In other words, he says, don't lie to yourselves. Another way to say that in Greek is stop deceiving yourself. It's not saying sometimes you deceive yourself. He's saying you are deceiving yourself. Stop it now. Quit it. Knock it off. That's kind of what Paul's saying in the Greek. He just said, just quit lying to yourself. Stop it at those, this moment. And, and there's, that's an interesting, interesting idea that, that we need to be on t- 
told to be on guard against telling ourselves lies. Now, we're used to hearing lies. All of us are. We hear them occasionally, and we're probably going to hear a lot more of them in the next year uh, as we move up to the 2024 election day. We hear lies from politicians, and we hear lies from corporations. You know, we hear lies in commercials and and things like that. And we're pretty sure that they're not telling the truth. Um, But we we kind of accept that as part of life. And and so we hear those kinds of lies uh, on a pretty regular basis. And then um, there are those, those, we we wouldn't call them lies. We would more likely call them just kind of uh, convenient fibs that we tell other people because we don't want to get caught doing something. We don't want to be guilty of something. So we, we tell this, this little white lie so that, so that nobody will think bad about us. And so we're used to those kinds of things, but those aren't the, what Paul are talking about. Paul doesn't say stop listening to politicians and, and stop listening to the ads that corporations are putting out and businesses are putting out. Stop listening even to the fibs that you're telling. He says stop lying to yourself. Quit deceiving yourself. Because those are typically the most dangerous lies that we hear. And so you wonder, how do I lie to myself? How do I, what am I doing that lies to myself? Well, they, they, kind of, they kind of run a gamut on us, on how extreme they are or how, how unextreme they are. There are those who will say, you know what? Self, I'm as good as I can get. I'm as good as, as they come. And then it runs the gamut over here that says, self, you are just as worthless as can be. You don't amount to anything. And then there are, there are those who will say, self, God sure is lucky that you're on his team. He's really lucky to have you. But then another part of ourself may be saying, you know what, self, God wants nothing to do with me. He wants nothing to do with who I am. He just doesn't care. How could he care? I'm worthless. And then we say to ourselves, maybe, you know what, self? You don't need to change. I don't need to change. I'm doing just fine. On the other hand, there are people over here who will say to themselves, but I can't change. God's lucky to have me. He should be glad I'm on his team. And over here, I'm so worthless, God wouldn't want me on his team. Those are dangerous lies. And if we're honest, we all practice all of them. We tell ourselves lies on a regular basis. And they start to add up. And if you think about it, you'll discover that the biggest lies you will ever tell are the lies you tell yourself. Not the lies you tell other people, but the ones you tell yourself to believe. 
and we tend to believe them. We tend to believe the lies that we tell about ourselves. And we wonder why we are not growing, why we're still floundering. Remember those flounderers who are still floundering as infants in Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that we build our lives on a solid foundation. That foundation of Jesus Christ. The foundation of his wisdom. The foundation of the word of God. Because then we will know what is true. And we'll know that whether on this side praising ourselves or on this side berating ourselves, that the truth is that we are a sinner that has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That I'm not over here and I'm not over there. I am here under the blood of Jesus Christ because of the cross. That's the truth we should be telling ourselves. That's how we have to act. We have to come to the point where we stop telling, the, we stop telling lies and we start telling the truth about everything. And so I encourage you today that you do that. Because when you do, you will not be shouting out, I am the king of the world. No, you're going to say, no, I am a sinner saved by grace. And it's not of me, it's of Jesus Christ. Because my foundation is on him. And so you begin by telling yourself the truth about everything. And then you make it your aim to be teachable. Make up your aim to be teachable. So I'm too old to be teachable. No, you're not. You're still breathing. You're teachable. Even after a while, you can move from one side of the stage to the other. You're teachable. Another way to say that is become a lifelong learner. Just choose to be a lifelong learner. Just tell yourself, and, 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 and it's the truth, that as long as you have breath, you need to be learning. You need to be growing. And growing is hard without learning. And so you need to be a lifelong learner. Paul says, in effect, you are limiting yourself. You're sabotaging yourself um, by your own ego. He said, you're, you're causing problems because of your own ego. And, and he says that it's not just self-deception. It is not just telling lies about yourself to yourself. It is also sabotaging yourself with your own ego. It is that, 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 that lack of humility. It is, it is, that, it is that, that, that conceit that is in our lives because we think we know everything. They come together, the lies and the conceit, and they sabotage us. You know what becomes dangerous is that when we start to practice that kind of a lifestyle, we start listening to the lies we're telling, and then our ego rises up and says, but I'm better than that person over there. I listen to the right person. I have the right leader. I have the, I'm in the right clique. Then I'm okay. And as long as we listen to that, we're not going to be okay. 
So what happens is that that we tell that what happens is is it comes out of that is this statement, I know all there is to know. Or excuse me, I, I I that I know all I need to know about this particular topic. You ever meet somebody like that? I don't need to come to Bible study. I don't need to be in the Bible. I already know everything there is to be a Christian. Me and Jesus, we're fine. My, my, my Bible, if I could find it, is probably covered in three inches of dust, but we're fine. Because I know all there is to know about this particular topic of being a Christian. Or any other topic. If you meet somebody who walks in and says, hey, you know, if you're a school teacher, hey, teacher, I already know everything there is to know about this topic, so could I just go outside and play? I don't need to be sitting in class. I don't need any of that junk because I already know everything there is to know. And then there is that, that issue that comes up. I know all there is to know about this particular topic. You met that person too. Maybe you are that person. I may not know everything, but I know everything there is to know about this one topic. And your conceit, your ego is in the way. And you're listening to the lies you're telling yourself. But then the most dangerous of all is when that person moves into this statement. I know more than I actually know. I know more than I actually know. He said, how can anybody say that? How can anybody make that? I'm not feeling very good. I feel sick. Someone says, you ought to go see the doctor. No, I know more than a doctor knows about what I need. I know all there is about healing and getting well. I don't need to call no doctor. Me and Google will do just fine. And I don't go to the doctor. We do that all the time, not just with medical issues. We do that with relationship issues. We do that with parenting issues, grandparenting issues. We do that with, with religion. We do that with, with business decisions we have to make, with financial issues that we have to make. I don't need nothing. I know more than I actually know. Haven't been to school. Haven't has studied on it. Don't have any degree in it. Don't have any kind of experience in it. But believe me, I know. That is the height of lying to yourself on either spectrum and then letting your conceit and your lack of humility come together and tell you how to live your life and you won't listen to anybody. And Paul said, that's where you're at, the Corinthian church. He said, that's why you're a baby. That's why you're eating milk instead of having roast beef. He said, that's why you're floundering. That's why you're mad at each other. That's why you are tearing each other apart, and you're, and you're desecrating God's temple at First Southern Corinth. He said, that's the issue. 
That's where the problem is. And so he says in verse 18, do not deceive yourselves to begin. And then what else does he say in that verse? He says, if any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a what? A fool. He should become a fool so that he may become wise. That seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? I already think I'm wise. Why would I become a fool? And if I'm a fool, how can I become wise? Because that's the world's wisdom. The world's wisdom is you just pull up yourself by your bootstraps and you do it on your own and don't let anybody tell you what to do. Don't let God tell you. Don't let a a pastor tell you, a, a Bible teacher tell you. Don't let anybody give you direction. Just tell them, leave me alone. I'm doing just fine. And you're crashing and burning all the time. You're standing at the brow of the Titanic and it's going under. That's the life of the majority of Christians. And that's certainly the life of the world. That's the wisdom of the world. And Paul said, if you really want to be wise, if you don't want to get sunk by the world's wisdom, throw it all out. Listen to God. And you'll be wise. But you have to make that choice. You have to come to that decision that that's what you're willing to do. Um, so, so what does it mean to become fools? It means that we're willing to become humble enough to learn. To say, I don't know everything. In fact, there's a whole lot of stuff I have no clue about in life. There are a lot of things. There are a lot of medical issues, a lot of relationship issues, a lot of financial issues, a lot of political issues. I have no idea about them, and I just need to take the time to learn. But especially when it comes to my spiritual life, there's so much I don't know, and I need the help, and I want to learn, but I want to listen, and I want to learn. I want to study, and I want to learn. Because I don't want to be sabotaged, and I don't want to sink in the world's wisdom. I want to stand in God's wisdom, and that's the only way to get there. That's the avenue that you have to you have to go along. In in his commentary on Corinthians, uh, Corinthians uh, William Barclay, the the commentator, talked about. Um, uh, a Roman philosopher, Marcus Fabius uh, Corintilianus, uh, and he said this way back in the first century. He said, talking about his students, he said, they would have doubtlessly become excellent scholars if they had not been so fully persuaded of their own scholarship. They already thought that he had nothing to teach. So they said, we'll follow you, just don't think we're going to learn anything from you. We already know he said, you're a waste of time. Barclay also quotes an ancient proverb. He said, he who knows not and knows not that he knows not is a fool. Avoid him. He who knows not and knows that he knows not is a wise man. Teach him. You can only teach people who are willing to learn. You have to decide to become a learner. You have to decide to become a student. And you have to decide it'll never quit. As long as you're alive, you will continue to learn. You can make that choice. 
you can make that decision. God, I am going to listen to what you're teaching. I want to know your word, and I want to grow in your word. And I'm not going to come to the point where I say, I've been in church long enough that I know everything. I've heard John 3.16 preached on about 4,000 times. You can't teach me anything else. You know what that is? There's a spiritual word for that. It's a long Greek word. Baloney. That's what it is. That statement is baloney. Don't get caught in that trap, Paul is saying. He's saying, in fact, everything you know about living and this life is based on the wisdom of the world around us. If that's the case, you're in trouble. He said, but you don't have to be in trouble. You don't have to crash and burn. Um, and so that applies to us. Same message that he gives to the Corinthian church. He gives to us today in 2023. He says that we still need to abandon the world's wisdom. But we like the world's wisdom. We get bombarded with it every day. And, and sometimes it feels good. And sometimes we're not so happy with it in the end most of the time. But we just keep falling in that trap. It says, don't, don't abandon yourself to the world's wisdom. Go back to square one. That moment you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, whatever age physically you were at that time, just go back to that point of what you knew and, and what you knew very little of was that Jesus loved you enough to die for your sins. And if you have to go right back to the cross to that point and you said, this is what I did. I asked Jesus to be my Savior and my life started to be different. Start at that point and just start learning. Start paying attention to God's word. And so you learn what? You relearn the fundamentals of the faith. You relearn what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be um, clearly in God's word. And when you do that, you're going to grow in God's wisdom. And then thirdly, he says, once and for all, put away the podium. Once and for all, put away the pedestal, I should say. The pedestal. Which pedestal am I talking about? Put away the pedestal that sometimes we try to put ourselves up on. When I'm having one of those, I'm feeling really good about myself moments. I'm pretty proud of who I am moments. What are we doing? We're trying to climb up on a pedestal so that we can be seen and everybody will also know we're on a pedestal. So he's talking about that kind of a pedestal. He said, I want you to just get rid of that pedestal. Don't try to find a pedestal to put yourself up on. But also, it's the kind of a pedestal where I don't get up on it or you don't get up on it, but we put somebody else up on it instead of us. So, well, that doesn't sound bad. If you were at Corinth, that's a bad thing. Because what were they doing? They were putting up individuals on the pedestal and it only had room for one, and so they didn't listen to anybody else who wasn't on the pedestal. If it was Paul on somebody's pedestal, there was no room for Cephas, and there was no room for Apollos. And you just go through that litany of the, the different ones, but only one could be up there. So if you had that one person up there, you felt good, and you looked down your nose at everybody else who was trying to put people up on their pedestal. And it was just divisiveness. It was ruining lives spiritually. Relationships were being torn apart. Families were being affected. 
marriages were falling apart simply because of who was on the pedestal. Who was trying to be on that pedestal. And so Paul says in verse 21, So then, no more boasting about men. If you read that in King James Version, it says, Therefore, let no man glory in men. Remember, the, the conversation began in chapter 1. Some were saying, I follow Paul. Some were saying, I follow Aquilus. Some were saying, I follow Cephas. And that's the contradictory nature of our human nature, of our human condition. What we think is leading us to where we want to be leads us in just the opposite direction if our foundation is not on Jesus Christ. When we don't know what we don't know, and we think we know everything, we make bad decisions because they're not based on God's word. They're not based on the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. And although we might have had good intentions at the beginning, it still leads us into sin, and it still leads us to a wrecked life. And so get rid of the pedestal. Don't put yourself on it, and don't put another human being up on it, Paul said. He said, that's not the purpose of it. He said, that's going to lead you where you really should not be and, and where it's not going to be good for you to be. Um, but we want to elevate them, don't we? We want to elevate a leader. And you know why we want to do that? If we can elevate a leader, no matter who it is, then we can point to them and say, I am going to be a part of their club. I'm following them. I'm a part of their club. And you know what their club is? Their club is the always right club. And that's appealing, isn't it? Now I've made a decision that will make me always right. I don't need to learn. I don't need to study. I don't have to worry about lying to myself because I've already believed a lie. I'm believing their lie. And I believe my lie, that if I believe their lie, then I'll always be right too. And even more appealing is that if I'm in the always right club, then the rest of you are in the always wrong club. And that makes me better than you. That's the world we live in. We put celebrities there. We put politicians there. We put, we put preachers there a lot of times. We put, we put anybody up there that we think will put us in that always right club. And we buy what they say hook, line, and sinker. How many of you... Well, that's a long time ago. We won't remember that for some of you. When you were a teenager. How did you dress... More than likely, you dressed in the always right club dress. And how do you know you did? Because you followed a particular singer, a particular band, a particular television actor or actress, a movie star. And you wanted to dress like them. You wanted to sound like them. You wanted to look like them because you would always be right. And if somebody else came in and said, well, I don't like that person, well, you're always wrong. You're in the always wrong club. You're not in the always right club like me. 
said, well, that sounds pretty petty. No, we were teenagers. But that's how we live life. Trouble is, we still live life the same way. We haven't changed. It's just different celebrities. It's just different people up on that cl- in the pedestal. And so he said, don't do that. Don't get wiped up. Don't get wrapped up in that. And it happens in church. Happened to the Corinthian church. Happens in every church. Um, with certain leaders. Uh, it happens with politicians and authors. It just goes down the line. And the message of this third chapter of First Corinthians is simply that we all are on the same level, period. If we're believers in Jesus Christ, there is no club. We're in the family of God, and we are all on the same level. There's no, I'm better than you. I'm righter than you. You're wronger than me. God puts us on the same level. If we turn over to the book of Galatians in chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 28, Paul said, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He said, that's it. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can put that stuff away. That's the childish stuff that made us unhappy. That's the childish stuff that was sinking our lives. He said, now that I am under the cross, I've been under the blood of Jesus Christ, and you've been under the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross too. We are all one. We are the family, the temple of God. And we don't have to be right or or wronger than anybody else. And he's saying, in effect, that you're going to find your identity, if you're going to find it anywhere, find your your identity in Jesus Christ and in him alone. That's where your real identity lies as a Christian. That's what three chapters of Galatians have been trying to tell you. That you have everything you need in Jesus Christ. It is all yours. In fact, in verse 21, what does he say? Paul says, First First Corinthians chapter three, verse twenty-one: All things are yours. All things are yours. Some translations say, like the like the New Living Translation: Everything belongs to you. The Message Bible says, Everything is already yours as a gift. So whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, according to verse 22, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Now what's Paul saying? What's he ending this chapter with? He's, he's saying the same thing we heard at the beginning of chapter 1. He is saying that that we have, that we've, we're, we're, we're talking about no limit on the lessons we learn from everything that God gives to us. We are students of the word. We're going to be lifelong learners. But we have everything in Jesus Christ that we need to have. And then Paul takes it a step further. He doesn't merely apply this to the teachings of others. It applies to everything, everything in the world. He said, whether it's life or death, whether it is, whether it is good or bad, whether it is easy or hard, it all belongs to you in Jesus Christ. And all of that together helps us grow in God's wisdom. 
What does he say in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 28? We all know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the to his purpose for them. God takes every event of your life as a believer. Some are really good, some are really, really bad, some are easy, some are hard, some are just so-so, but he puts them all together and he said, you have everything in there that I give to you if your life is based on Jesus Christ and his word. And God uses them to bring wisdom to you. And he says, all things belong to you. Not because you're the king of the world. Not because you think you should be the king of the world. Not because you think you could be the king of the world. All things are yours, believer, because of Jesus Christ. And your life should be founded on him. Your decision making should be found on him. You want to make a huge head start into a life powered by the wisdom of God, here's how you do it. Right at the bottom of that second page. Build the foundation of your life each day on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Spend time in his word and you will uncover his wisdom and you will discover his purpose for your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that in Jesus Christ, there's wisdom. There's life, and that life leads us to wisdom that helps us to abundantly grow in this world that we live in. That helps us to be the person that can fill the purpose that you've given to each one of us in this lifetime. So, Father, we pray today that we would go back to day one, if necessary, of our Christian life. Start retooling start rebuilding and if we're somewhere in the process and we kind of lost our way let's go back to that moment and let's start retooling and rebuilding there Father give us the courage give us the conviction to do that pray for that one who is just trapped in the world because they don't know Jesus Christ they've heard about him maybe they've even been to a lot of worship services and heard a lot of sermons they really don't know Jesus because they've never said Jesus I'm lost and undone but I believe you love me somewhere I just believe that you made me to be loved by you and I want to accept that love right now by trusting you to be my savior and my lord Father, I pray that right now that decision would be made whether they're here or online with us father right now would you touch their lives with your grace Let them experience the washing, the renewing, the regeneration of their world through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we'll give you glory and praise for what you're going to do. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Faith Point. Reach us online at firstsouthernpv.org or stop by to worship with us if you are in the Prescott Valley area. May God richly bless you today as you allow your faith to intersect with your life.